Welcome to the Cybersecurity and Cloud Podcast, the podcast where we learn from cybersecurity experts how to stay safe, private, and secure on the cloud and in code. CSCP is hosted by Francesco Cipollone, your cybersecurity friend with a passion for all things cyber and sharing stories of other professionals with you. This episode is sponsored by AppSec Phoenix, the next generation application security platform, enabling organizations to run application security programs in a smart way. Visit www.appsecphoenix.com to learn more. We were discussing about legacy stuff. So how do we fix the legacy problem? Legacy has problem legacies, like not even Java. You fix legacy security problems with blood, sweat, and tears. Not necessarily in that order. You're going to bleed a bit because you may have a security incident against legacy software. You got the tears, man, because you're going to feel some pain from it, and you're going to possibly have some real impacts to your company when legacy software is compromised. And then comes the, you know, the sweat, right? It's hard work. It, it, it requires... It requires a great deal of re-engineering, recoding, updating third-party libraries, updating language versions. It's painful. There's no way around it. Sometimes you have why to... Not, why, not, why not just moving to something else? If you need to re-engineer, re-understand... So 90% of the application that work, uh, and I've seen it working, it's like you need to re-understand the application as a whole. There is no documentation. There is no information once you've done the, the, the heavy work you might as well move to a new framework or to a new language altogether to rebuild the application maybe right? so but that's going to be time consuming expensive i agree that's still re-engineering the software in some way but you have less technical debt in that way but, but I, I hear you but the point i'm trying to make is a lot of a lot of our industry mm-hmm. wants to take the problem of legacy software and quick fix it they want they want the problem to like go away and go away quickly. They want to slap up some kind of mitigating control and have the problem go away. And I don't think that's possible is what I'm trying to say. And there's a lot of really good solutions out there. You know, I'm, a, I'm one of the, I'm, I'm an investor in signal sciences. I'm a big fan of some of the uh, um, cloud enabled firewall technology for web applications and APIs. I'm a big fan of that work. but. If, you know, it, but it just takes a lot of hard work to re-engineer legacy software so the innate properties of the software itself is secure. And, there's, and, I, and my conjecture here, Francesco, is there's no quick fix to taking legacy software and bring it up to modern security standards. It takes sweat, hard work, time, re, re, recoding, revisiting requirements, revisiting frameworks, revisiting your choices on third-party libraries and you don't get that lunch for free it's hard work no. time that's the point i'm trying to make no on that on that i can't agree more it's like yeah, it's it's painful it's but it's it's making it's making the subjects familiar to the board it's like trying not to sell quick wins and 90 percent of the time i see that people say oh yeah you can slap in a firewall in front of it or what mm-hmm. and you're done your application is secure Hiding security is not actually fixing security. And I like WAFs. I like the work of modern WAFs, again, like Signal Science. I think they're doing great work. And I'm not trying to say that not to use a WAF. I'm not saying the technology is bad. I'm just saying that it doesn't fix the software. And I I can't just, even the best WAF in the world, I can't just slap it up and all of a sudden I'm secure. It's mitigating control. It's a, 
It's a way to stop some attacks. It's a way to give me visibility to the application and more, but it doesn't fix the underlying problem. That takes sweat. A WAF doesn't, yeah, doesn't fix, WAF doesn't fix uh, business logic defect or uh, an access control flow problem. It's like you need to reconsider the application as a whole. What about Ivano? Ivano says that containers may work well for legacy stuff. What do you mean by that, Ivano? Why don't you jump in here? As a stopgap measure, it could work having uh, um, some of the legacy application migrated into containers while maybe you do the rework um, and maybe modernize them, if it makes sense. That's hard work, right? It's not, it's not a quick fix, but moving a legacy application into the world of containers, which is very which helps cloud enable your application and more that's that's not a bad idea doesn't doesn't solve the problem it gives you some agility but, but it doesn't mm -hmm. doesn't you know turnkey solve the problem of fixing the inherent prop insecure properties of, of some legacy software i i agree i mean the, the security implications will will still be there the security vulnerabilities will will still be there um, but think about this scenario where you cannot decommission a specific operating system because uh, otherwise the application will not run anymore and that operating system is end of life yeah. uh, maybe i don't know red hat 5 uh, red hat enterprise linux 5 uh, deployment with a specific piece of software on it you keep it on the internet on a public facing uh, internet uh, uh, because you cannot replace it but if you could at least replace the foundations of that with a more modern operating system and have the legacy application run inside a container which will make the application think it is still running on Red Hat 5, that could be a stopgap measure, or at least will reduce the surface attack in case, uh, I don't know, you had all the ports open and whatnot, in my opinion. Interesting. Yeah, it could be a mitigating control, but you're still running on, on an old operating system. So as Jim's saying, it's like doing a risk assessment and, and deploying mitigating control when and if uh, it's going to actually fix your vulnerability or reduce your, your your overall risk. But moving on, I want to I wanna touch a little bit based on the over stuff and a couple of things specifically for, for Jim. So you, you've, been, you've been part of us for so long. So what you've seen change over the time and, and I'll say, and I've seen a very positive uh, spin of recent and a lot of good new energy going into the OWASP board. So what's your, what's your take on it? My take is let, Find the place in OWASP that excites you, that, that brings out the positive in you. I, I, I'm on the OWASP leaders list, and I actually tried to unsubscribe. And for some reason, someone subscribed me back on it. And I got sucked into like the drama of the leaders list again. And it reminds me of, I haven't been on it for a couple of years because most of my time I spend at OWASP is keeping an eye on a couple projects, like the Proactive Controls, the Cheat Sheet Series, the Java Encoder, the Java HTML Sanitizer, Java JSON Sanitizer, the OWASP Top 10 project. And I try to keep my eye on the different chatter happening within the, within the world of OWASP projects that I think are very meaningful. And, and Zap is a big one. Zap is brilliant um, piece of work. The OWASP Dependency Check product. And ASVS, my favorite project of them all, the Application Security Verification Standard 4.0. I do, I, I keep an eye on these and try to participate where I can. And, and to me, OWASP, and I go to a couple conferences, and to me, OWASP is a great joy. 
OWASP is beginning to migrate the, the, the away from MediaWiki to GitHub to, to manage the, the different web pages and content of, of OWASP. It's an imperfect move like everything is, but I'm really happy to see this happen. So my world of OWASP is one of real, real positive. I love OWASP. I love the people in it, especially the really dedicated volunteers who are actively working on the projects. And it breaks my heart where I got, all of a sudden I jump on the leaders list and I see all this horrific- Everybody fighting. All this horrific negativity. It's, and it's usually the same couple of assholes who are, who are causing all this, uh, all this negativity. And, and Francesco, I used to be one of those a-holes. I'm not saying I'm innocent here. I'm just really- a lot of ego. Yeah, as I get older, as I get more gray hair, I'm really trying to make sure that my participation on Twitter, my participation on the OS leaders list, my participation on, on any kind of project is, is positive, helpful, and supportive. And I, I, some leaders, I believe, they, they get upset that they're not being listened to. Or they get upset about policy. They get upset about chapter funding. They get upset that, that they feel like they're not being listened to. And, and I see it's turned some, some really good volunteers into machines of rage. And if I look behind the scenes of those people, it's usually because they're stressed out. They're working too much. They got personal issues or they're or they're just, they're, they're, they're battling their own demons, or they just don't have enough time to get stuff done, and they're so frustrated that they take it out on OWASP. They take it out on the public list, and I beg the community not to do that. You know, this is, we're a nonprofit, we're a charity. This is supposed to be a place where we, we have fun, and we get help. together. Yeah, we help the community that we, that we you know, share in, in knowledge of AppSec, and it's really supposed to be this, positive source of contribution to the world to help make the world a better place. You know, I, I look back to the original mission of OWASP. It's stuck in my mind. It's like, you know, OWASP is a 501c3, not-for-profit charity. Our mission is to make application security visible so that people and organizations can make informed decisions about application security risk. All of our projects are free and open under an open source license. Everyone's free to participate. And, and there are so many. I'm learning about more existing ones pretty much daily. Yeah, that's yeah, a little bit of an exaggeration because, you know. But on that, on that subject, actually, and, and, and I was discussing this with Vandana before she, she ran, it's like, it's, aren't there so many projects, too many projects, because then the focus is, is, is stretched across too many projects. And then you had the problem of funding, the problem of, of dedication, the problem of half-baked project. What's your take, Zoe? Well, I think some of it is missed because, again, there are so many and some do better on, you know, outreach than others due to, you know, limited time where all volunteers um, were usually not as much marketers as we are techies. So projects would be missed even among us. But I I did see um, like one good thing in terms of um, helping to, to solve such misunderstanding and like just decentralized communications in general. Um, Simon Bennett's uh, Zap leader um, recently started a whole discussion around project integration, which I think is a great opportunity, especially as we're, we're all, you know, migrating to to GitHub to to kind of join that um, discussion and revisit and sync up, as well as you know, new engage new contributors and new participants to the community as a whole. Definitely understanding what's there as much as possible, and there's so much, which is you know. Part of what's amazing about, you know, OWASP, there is a very specific 
projects that could probably speak to everyone, but at the same time, it's also easy, you know, even as a long-term OASPR to, to know what is currently out there when you're trying to propose new projects and new solutions. But yeah, I mean, just generally, you know, continuing to sync up with all of it, I mean, as much as possible and ask around is always, always good. This episode is brought to you by the generosity of AppSec Phoenix Limited. AppSec helps startups and enterprises solve complex software security problems by using smart data aggregation and complex machine learning software. Discover how AppSec Phoenix helps CISO and developers remove friction and maximize the use of DevSecOps professionals at www.appsecphoenix.com. AppSec Phoenix is the new and smart dev-first way to manage your software vulnerability. Follow the tag, hashtag AppSecSmart. You know, a lot of people in various leadership positions have tried to tame OWASP. It's the, a lot, it's the nature of many people. They want OWASP to be more disciplined, more organized, have different funding models, different project models, less projects, more projects, more review. And, and I don't think anyone has succeeded in the taming process. And so for me, OWASP is a bizarre, it's wild. And I don't think anyone's ever going to tame that. And so, and I think I accept that OWASP is a bit of a wild, bizarre, yes, yeah. a, bit of a, a bit of a circus. And what comes out of that are some amazing things. So, and, you know, and I, I think that that freedom to dive in, start a project experiment is, is what makes OWASP so impressive. And then we have different tiers of, of projects. We have like, we have the lowest tier of just, I, I've begun to do a project and it's, 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 we're, we're working on it. Then we have like two levels of maturity, the top being flagship, the one below, I, for, I forgot the names of the project tiers, forgive me, but those tiers are for a reason. When we, when we look at the OWASP Foundation from the outside, it's the flagship projects that really stand out. And it, it, it's hard to get your project to become a flagship project. And so I don't want to stop that petri dish of creativity and experimentation at OWASP. I think that's what makes it great in a lot of ways. But as a project gets more popularity, as a project gets more, more important to the foundation, it does require additional criteria before it can be made a flagship and, and similar type status. And, and just in general, I am, real, and I, I, I am okay with the, the wild nature of OWASP. A lot of people like to, like to give the board. Like yeah, they give the board or the staff a hard time. We only have like five staff members and like 30 plus thousand uh, uh, consumers of our products on a re regular basis. I mean, we really don't have a giant staff to handle the onslaught that the community asks of. Mistakes are going to be made. The board only has so much power. The board's usually a very hands-on board. The board's made of some of our, our, our volunteers who are extremely active. And this is all imperfect. It makes people who really want to see a more disciplined, organized OWASP very frustrated. And it made me frustrated for many years when I was on the board. But I've come to terms with what OWASP is. And it's made my life a lot happier as I relate to OWASP. OWASP is wild. OWASP Maybe is a, we should, is a we bit should of a make that as a And I'm okay chaos with Chaos engineering. Yeah, I'm okay yeah, with that. Yeah, that's the point. It's creativity. It's creativity that is best. It's chaos. And then from chaos becomes the flagship where they become a bit more tamed. If you want, the, pro the flagship project is where they see more tame projects. Yeah, uh, but I think I think 
that message should go out more more often because then it, it kind of set the level set the expectation this is almost this is who we are it should be it should be kind of a mission statement we are a bunch of people that come in as volunteer throw in some ideas and some great one comes out and then they become kind of stabilized and it's for free it's like people forget that this stuff is out of the goodwill of people like you can't expect it's not a well-founded project it's just out of full contribution well there are two forces that are that are in opposition here right there's first you first of all you have like human nature where a, a lot of people especially those who are engineers they want organization and order they want to bring order to chaos but then you have the natural law of entropy everything breaks down and like so like you have, you have these, and you have these, you have these <laughs> opposing forces of like the desire to organize and every have, have everything be be very clean and orderly and well and well set up, especially those of a more conservative bent. Then you have the natural law of entropy and the kind of wild nature of volunteerism because we're mostly volunteers. Yeah, and I and I, and I think. Those, those forces are in opposition. It leads to some, some battles that know us. But again, I ask the community to accept the fact that we're really just a large, large body of volunteers trying, everyone's trying their best, the staff and board as well, and try to be good to each other. Try to, and if, and if, if you find yourself really frustrated with OWASP, getting angry, getting extremely upset, then back away. Find another area of OWASP to spend your time in where you mm -hmm. don't have to be so angry and so Actually, I have an alternative suggestion. If you want to take out your aggression at OWASP, I, rec I recommend Juice Shop. Hack it. Yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> hey. <laughs> take the negativity on CTF. I like that proposal. Yeah. No, I, I like that. And, and I think... I mean, I had my fair share of negativity of reason. Jim knows that I'm I'm a big positive giver and I'm always positive. And I, I think Twitter and, and a lot of these conversation behind the keyboard kind of give that kind of license to people to be mean to other people. And especially considering we are volunteering up, up here. It's like we are giving time for free. It's like cut us a slack, right? And I don't say this with the holier-than-thou attitude. I've been part of the problem in the past. Like, I, I spent a lot of years on the board, like, trying to fight the war of vendor neutrality. And I still do on occasion. And it made me sick. It's like some people believe that they can commercialize through OWASP. Other people believe we should be more vendor neutral. And I really waged a war to, like, to, to make sure we were truly vendor neutral. And I feel like I lost and but I lost not just the idea of vendor neutrality being the main, being the main theme of OWASP as a, from an ethical point of view, but I, I, I lost track of what was important. I lost. I, I put all this focus on this principle instead of the focus on the volunteerism and the output of projects and the work on documentation and the the, the participation in different conferences. That's the important stuff. The the philosophy and the it, it, although it matters to me a great deal, I do realize it's not this, it's not nearly as important as the volunteerism. Like like recently, we were we were arguing on the leaders list about whether or not people should use an OWASP email address or not as a project leader. My personal belief is we should, but there's a lot of other things that are probably more important to worry about than what email address someone is using. And and I, I want to. I want to give a nod to, to Kevin Johnson. He was right. He was like, what the, what the heck is going on here? We have a hundred problems that we can be discussing. 
There's a many other things that we could be worrying about, and we're now on the leaders list debating debating what email address I should be using. And while I personally think we should be using an OWASP email address, I again want to nod to Kevin that there are bigger fish to fry when it comes to spending our limited time volunteering for OWASP. Yeah, no, I agree. And with the CSA, we face well. We have a little bit of a different structure, but we, we're doing a lot of stuff on a chapter-wise, uh, rather than, uh, I mean, the, there is global and they're, they're doing that they're all research and stuff, but I want to I throw that as a challenge of, do we do more activity chapter-wise instead of per project, even as always? Because let, then you have more control. When people hmm. want to volunteer in a certain direction, let them go in that direction. I don't think we should force OWASP in any direction. Let oh, no, no, no. Agreed. And to, to confirm, it was a coincidence that you took out the crossbow again? Just a coincidence. Wait. I just to confirm. I, I figured as much based on the nature of the conversation. I just um, wanted to begin. Verification. It's just, it, it's just a natural, natural habit of when things get, get hit the intros after. Go back to your question, Francesco. Tell me, tell me again. The, the question was, do we organize more groups on a, on a local basis for projects so that we can bring people together rather than creating this dispersed group of people that collaborates across the board? I mean, both. Some projects are really, Whatever works. Yeah, some, some projects are founded around a local chapter organizing it. Some projects have people scattered all over the world, like the OS Top 10, ASVS, Cheat Cheat Series, these are participants scattered worldwide, where other projects uh, have, have, I don't know exactly which ones, have more of a local focus with people meeting face-to-face. -face. Who cares? You know, whatever, my, my take is, whatever gets people to volunteer, contribute, and bring AppSec down the path in some way, I think that's what matters. I love it, I love it, whatever, whatever, whatever works. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, Zoe, you, you participate in a lot of, I mean, you, you, you are the New York one, the New York chapter, and then we had some of the London one. So what is the stuff that makes a chapter great? What is the stuff that makes a chapter work? And what is the stuff that doesn't make a chapter work? I think when you get eagerness to help and just a lot of excitement in general, that is really the driving force. When you get people constantly, you know, saying anything you might want on a project or, you know, always just looking to volunteer for anything or take the lead on anything for anything, you know, anything in a given moment. So, for example, Asla Sani, um, she's been a member of OWASP for a few years and she moved from India a few years ago to the United States and is now in the New York metro area. And she's been really taking some great initiative on local academic partnerships and um, trying to educate. Um, and, you know, we're, we're now working together to get current students into the world of industry and OWASP, um, you know, through OWASP, through, again, um, Vendor Neutral, the community and, you know, all the projects and how that really translates, you know, with, with really no comparison to the real world and industry practices in AppSec. So, but yeah, people just reaching out about that, you know, in general, people reaching out and people feeling free to do so and just wanting to, you know, ideas that somebody else would not have thought of. Creating a sense of family, creating a sense of connection, community. Yeah, and then ideas happen that wouldn't otherwise. 
Yeah, I love it. So we almost reached time limit. So can I can I ask Jim to give like a positive note on on security and a positive note on AppSec? I think that um, application security is getting radically more visibility in modern programming. Companies that I would never have thought would even consider application security are now engaging on really trying to teach their developers around secure coding. And it makes me really happy to see how much progress we've made. And my thinking is, if you look at an individual problem, it's, it, is a, it is a great challenge and it might be stressful to see how much insecurity there is in software today. But if you take a step back and look at this issue of application security, historically, you'll see just how much progress we really have made. And I think it's a, I think it's a real positive thing. I, and OWASP, I think it's a beautiful place. When you really focus your time and energy on, on looking at the active volunteers who are working on documents, projects, and conferences, and chapters, and really actively doing the work, I think you'll see the real positive part of OWASP, that contribution to make application security more visible or progress it down the field in some way. And I ask all of us, myself included, try to find your OWASP happy place and let that be your focus of your volunteerism. I agree. And as far as the improvement and evolution of AppSec goes, it was an excellent keynote, um, an excellent closing keynote at last year's AppSec Cali that you can all check out the recording of the positive direction we're all taking. And it was given by the one and only Jim Manico, actually. Sorry to, you know, ruin the whole structure <laughs> ending by the interviewee, but it was about no, the interviewee, every, so every, I'm every positive, every positive message about any positive, any, any great personality. And I was in there, so I listened to that talk. So I was there, I was cheering for Jim. I always love his, his keynotes. So anyway, I thank everybody on the call. I thank Zoe. A special thanks to Jim for coming on, and I'll see you guys wherever it is at Upset Cali in January. Looking forward. We'll see you all there. Yeah, guys. Thank you, Jim. Thank Aloha. you, Francesco. Aloha. 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 Yeah. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you very much for listening to the Cyber Mentor Monday podcast. I hope you really enjoy, and I hope to see you soon. And next one's going to be with Grant Ongers, newly elected member at OWASP. Thank you very much guys and have a great day. Be safe and be cybersecurity safe. This is Francesco, your host and bye. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcast and post it on social media tagging Cybersecurity Cloud Podcast for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Discover other episodes at www.cybersecuritypodcast.com.